Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 152. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me, as usual, is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. Hakuna Matata, Chris. Howdy, Pete. We are back, of course, once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo. So naturally, we have some new games to talk about, as well as news to discuss, and then this week's big topic, which we are calling GameCube Generation, or 6th Generation. It is the games from the 6th generation of hardware, that being the GameCube and the other systems that were out at that time, that we want to see revived on Switch. Mm-hmm. Before we get to that, though, let's start by talking about some recent game release impressions. First off, we have Valkyria Chronicles 4 for the Switch. Uh, you've been playing this one, right, Chris? I have. I haven't played a whole lot since it just came out yesterday as we're recording this. But I have been playing it, yes indeed, and I have been enjoying it. It is very much what you'd expect from the demo that hit the Switch eShop last month. That being a beautifully rendered military strategy game that combines turn-based tactics and real-time combat. It is set in basically an alternate version of 1935, where you're part of a specialized squad engaged in the Second European War. Obviously, it's not hard to draw comparisons to World War II. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think it would be. <laughs> no, not at all. As far as gameplay goes, basically you have this overhead map, and they call that command mode, and you use that to select your units one at a time, and then after you take control of one of those, you enter action mode, which allows you to move and attack in real time on a 3D battlefield, although your movement is limited by a gauge and you can attack only once per turn. And you have several types of units at your disposal. There are shock troopers, which are basically your standard infantry. Then there are scouts, snipers, grenadiers, lancers that have anti-tank abilities, engineers that have tank repair capabilities, and then naturally tanks as well. You're welcome. And <laughs> no tanks to you. <laughs> Sorry. And naturally each one has its own uses and specialties in the field. Uh, you can also issue orders to boost stats and things of that nature during the battle, and you can also call in reinforcements if you aren't already at maximum troop capacity. Plus, when you're not in battle, you can allocate experience to level up certain types of troops, you can also create and issue new equipment, and you can talk with your comrades at headquarters. Kind of like we do. Yes, I'm sure it's exactly like that, only probably with fewer beards and more guns. Mm-hmm. I've been finding the combat to be both fun and thoughtful, and since there is permadeath, you really want to consider each move very carefully. And a big part of the appeal of the game is the characters. Hmm. Like, early on, you really don't know much about these people that are in your squad, or where they're from, or what they've done, other than that one's a jerk, and one's kind of mysterious, and there's some weird romantic tension between the squad leader and this female grenadier you meet up with early on. Oh, so like your classic JRPG tropes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But, you know, as the game goes on, you start to learn more about these characters and their past, and you start getting really invested in who they are. And there is definitely a lot of story here. Like, you know, there's five or six cutscenes for every battle. Wow. Uh, and apparently there's also a squad dog. I haven't seen much of the squad <laughs> dog outside, like, the first mission. But, you know, thumbs up to any game that has a squad dog. <laughs> I like how you're pronouncing that. Well, I don't want to say squid dog or something. Yeah, it's true. Also, the game just looks plain fantastic. Everything has a colorful, painterly, watercolor aesthetic. And sometimes I'd see images in the game, and I think they're just 2D illustrations. But then I realize they are 3D, and they start moving. They're actual character models. And I'm just very, very impressed with how this game looks. Wow. 
Uh, the voice acting is really good, too, even the English voice acting. So, <laughs> yeah, good production values all the way around. It sounds like you're liking this game. I am. I'm really liking it so far. And honestly, I'm not that far yet. I'm only like two or three missions past where the demo ended because you can pick up continuing right off where you save the demo. But I know that soon I'll be trading in the green pastures and windmills for a snowy winter setting, and I can't wait to see where it goes from there. You know, so far, I have really been liking what I've played. I've had a really bad habit in the past of starting games in this series, such as the one on PS3 and the one on PS4, and then not actually playing that far into them, even though I really, really like them. But I hope that doesn't happen with this game. It is really great so far. It's pretty much everything I would want out of a military strategy game, and I certainly would encourage anybody who was curious about this game to at least download the demo and check it out because so far I'm having a great time. Yeah, I definitely want to check out the demo now. It almost kind of gives me like a Advance Wars meets uh, Fire Emblem in some ways kind of vibe. Yeah, it is very Advance Wars-esque in some ways. And as I think you pointed out the last time we talked about this game, the gameplay is also very similar to Codename Steam, although probably much, much better and more memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, burn. I'm not trying to knock it that bad, but it really didn't seem to catch on with people for whatever reason. Get it, steam burn. I got it. I got it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Pete, I know that you are a fan of strategy games, so certainly you of all people should be sure to check this out. Yeah, and with the free demo, it's like I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, there's no reason not to. And the demo is you know, fairly extensive. You can probably spend a couple hours with that, so it'll give you a really good feel of what the game is about. But as for me, I picked up the full thing, and I'm definitely not regretting it one bit. Sweet. Moving on, then, to another new release. This one came out more than a week ago, but at long last, I have finally got a chance to check out the highly acclaimed indie RPG Undertale. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, I've been playing this one a little bit, too. Yeah, so what do you think of it so far, Pete? So far, I'm pretty impressed. You know, it's it's very lo-fi and low-tech. <laughs> yes, it is. But that doesn't take away from the game, the core game being really interesting. Oh, yeah? Interesting in what way? I just think the storyline is kind of compelling, and you don't really understand what's going on. The, <laughs> no, you don't. The dialogue is, like, all over the place and wacky. Yes, it is. Weird is certainly a word I would use to describe this game. <laughs> but I'm feeling really compelled to keep playing. How about you? Well, right off the bat, I really wasn't feeling it. (laughs) I was like, what is all the fuss about? This game seems very contradictory. And like you were saying, the graphics certainly aren't anything to write home about. And, you know, at first I was trying to play into that contradictory nature. Like, (laughs) you know, a couple of times there's an NPC that tells you early on to, to just wait there. And I thought, okay, so video game logic says if someone tells you to wait, you should run off and try to catch them. (laughs) I'm going to actually wait and see what happens. So I actually just left my game sitting there for like half an hour while I did the dishes. (laughs) I was a little disappointed that nothing happened. So, you know, I was told to go to my room and I did that. And I thought, (laughs) well, maybe I'll get just a happy ending and the credits will roll because I went to my room. But no, no, you still have to, you know, keep going (laughs) and not doing that. So the contradictoriness of me trying to be contradictory didn't work out as I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a little loose around the edges. Like a normal RPG would like tell you exactly what to do, but in this game, yeah, I feel like there is some of that left to your own device. It really plays by its own rules, that's for sure. Right. The other thing I thought was very unusual about the game is that it seems like it really doesn't want you to fight. <laughs> so have you been fighting enemies or have you been trying to not fight them at all? You know, mainly I've been fighting and then I didn't save my progress and had to 
beat sort of a boss over again uh-huh. and decided to try and like talk him into not fighting and that worked too so <laughs> i don't really know what the benefit of each is i'm not sure if you get like a different ending i haven't read too much about it but uh yeah there's multiple ways to skin a cat i guess the best way to say it. <laughs> yeah although i don't think there's any cats skinning in this game no no well, me, I've been trying to not fight because it really felt like that's what it was trying to tell me to do. <laughs> do not fight. And what I discovered is it's not very rewarding. Like, literally, <laughs> it's not. You don't get experience points. You don't get stronger. I'm still at level one, even a couple hours into the game. What are you, a pacifist? Apparently so. <laughs> I mean, combat is very interesting, nonetheless. Like, you know, basically, you play this weird little mini game yeah. whenever monsters attack, and you control this little heart, and you're trying to dodge whatever comes your way when you're on the defensive. And I did try attacking once or twice just to see what happened. That has a little timing based challenge mm-hmm. to overcome, too. So, you know, it's not just your typical RPG menu based combat, which I thought was, uh, you know, very intriguing. But the fact that I wasn't getting any stronger, you know, was kind of, uh, like I said, not very rewarding. Yeah, you'd think that for doing it better, you would get rewarded, but you definitely do not. Yeah, and so eventually I was like, do I really want to keep playing this way? And then it dawned on me to not think of this game as an RPG anymore. <laughs> I decided to just ignore that level indicator, not worry about what my strength is, and just treat this game as something very different. Because basically it is you know, different from anything else I've ever played, where I just have to solve these little word puzzles to get the enemies to like me and so I can spare them (laughs) and play these little mini games to overcome their attacks. And once I started thinking of it in that respect and not like a typical RPG, I've started enjoying it much, much, much more. Ah, that's interesting. And also, I'm not sure how far you are yet, but... After I got past the first area, I thought that things just started getting better all the way around. You meet many more fun characters. You encounter these really bizarre enemies. Like, have you encountered the dog enemies yet? (laughs) No, but that sounds amazing. There are several dog enemies in what's basically the second area, and you can pet them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's one of your actions you can choose in battle is to pet these dogs. And they all seem to like it. I would say, not to spoil anything too much. But uh, yeah, you can pet the dogs. And who doesn't enjoy petting dogs, even if they're virtual in a lo-fi RPG game? (laughs) It's true. But yeah, the more you play, the more the charm of this game starts to become apparent. Because at first I was like, you know, why are people all over this game? It just seems so weird. How could so many people be into this when it just seems like the bizarreness would be enough to turn away a lot of players. Yeah, it definitely bucks a lot of trends and kind of does its own thing. But yeah, I just think that the charm seems to shine through and I'm excited to keep playing it. Yes, yes, so am I. And like I said, the game really doesn't seem to have these rules. Like it'll set up these rules and then break these rules and it'll introduce new rules and change things. Like suddenly battles don't work the way that you think they're going to. And... You know, I was sort of having, I guess what you would call a date with an NPC and sort of a (laughs) battle broke out, only you're not fighting to defeat them. You're fighting to become friends with them, which is just really strange. I think we did that once. (laughs) Oh, did we now? (laughs) I've blocked that from my memory. And, you know, I'm not 100% sure I like it just introducing these new concepts seemingly at random, but it definitely keeps things unique and intriguing. And again, I keep using this word, but very, very charming. 
Yeah, totally. And there's something refreshing about a game where you're really not sure what's going to happen next. Like you don't <laughs> yeah, really true. you don't really know how it's going to play out and, you know, what kind of enemies you'll encounter next and I think that's always kind of refreshing when you get to play a game like that. Yes, yes, it definitely is. And you know, so far I have been sticking to this uh pacifist's path i have not killed a single enemy yet wow. and things have been getting you know more difficult and more challenging but it just seems to be a matter of managing my healing items and uh, figuring out what else i can do to try to survive but yeah it's certainly unlike anything else i've played before you know whether you want to classify it as an rpg or not i really hope you never get to a point where you just can't continue because <laughs> you've gone pacifist i certainly hope that's not the case as well <laughs> Yeah, where it goes from here, I think it's just anybody's guess, but I very much am looking forward to finding out. Me too. All right then, moving along to some other new releases. Last week, I also picked up the Sega Ages versions of Sonic the Hedgehog and Lightning Force on the Switch. <laughs> lightning Force. Yes, Lightning Force. Not yeah. to be confused with Lightning Force. I saw the, the menu screen on this one. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a typo they couldn't spell lightning right they spelled it lightning like <laughs> you're making things lighter or something um in japan it's just known as thunder force 4 and if you want in the game you can change the title screen back to thunder force 4 <laughs> if you don't like it being called a lightning force was it actually the fourth in a series or was it just called thunder force 4 well it's funny because thunder force 2 and 3 came out on the sega genesis I don't know where Thunder Force 1 came from. <laughs> I think it was a PC game or something. But anyway, yeah, Thunder Force 4 does carry on the tradition set up by the first two games, that being that it's a 2D side-scrolling shooter with you know very impressive graphical tricks for a 16-bit game, also a very impressive selection of weapons. And I never played this one back in the day, but what I've discovered is it's really, really hard. <laughs> did you ever play it? I never did, I don't think. Well, let me tell you, what you're going to find is it's really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> there is a normal mode and a kid's mode, and I tried them both, and I sucked at both. <laughs> I basically got to the first boss, and I fought him for what felt like forever, and I couldn't even tell if I was inflicting damage. Like, there was so much chaos on the screen from my bullets and the impact against the boss and whatever he was doing that I couldn't really tell what was going on. <laughs> And sometimes he would attack me, and I just have this very small area to move around in, and it was really hard to avoid his homing shots. And, oh, it was, uh, it felt really cheap and difficult. After many, many tries, I did finally beat the first freaking boss, but I haven't really played any further than that. So, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to play this game, be prepared. You need the reflexes. Wow. On the other hand... Sonic the Hedgehog is exactly what I expected. It is the classic that started it all. It is speed mixed with platforming across six worlds and 19 levels. I still think it possibly has the best level design of all of the Genesis Sonic games, and the graphics and sound still hold up amazingly well. This version adds the spin dash from Sonic 2, and it has a built-in level select, as well as an easy mode where you only lose half your rings instead of all your rings when you get hit. Oh, nice. But... You know, for me, sort of the issue of this game is why do you want to spend $8 on this game when the Sega Genesis collection is coming in a few months and you get the original Sonic the Hedgehog as well as 49 other games for only 30 bucks? so... Yeah, that is the trade-off, huh? Yes, indeed. But still, you know, it is a great game, so I can't say I regret spending the money on it right now. Thanks for taking one for the team, Chris. 
No, Sonic 1's a great game. I don't think of it that way at all. One last thing I wanted to mention before we moved away from game impressions is an addendum to what I was saying about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna the Golden Country, last week. And that is that I did finish this episode shortly after we recorded last week's podcast. It ended up being quite a bit shorter than expected. I was almost to the end when we were talking about it last week. There are only two continents to explore, and I kind of expected to have a couple more. Hmm. So that's less than 20 hours to finish the story and, you know, maybe another 10 hours or so to do almost all the side quests, uh, not counting the last side quest that requires you to defeat a level 100 enemy, which will probably take like dozens of hours of grinding. And I'm never <laughs> going to do that because it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, anyway, even though it ended up being shorter than expected, I still feel like it's definitely worth the price as part of the expansion pass. It's probably not worth the $40 price tag for the standalone version of the game. Hmm. But still, I did like this game through and through. I thought the ending was fantastic. One of the best endings I've experienced in a long, long time. And it tied really, really nicely into the main Xenoblade Chronicles 2 story. So hmm. just wanted to say those few more things about Torna the Golden Country. Might be a worthwhile pickup for somebody who's not looking to spend over 40 hours on an RPG. It might be. It might be. I mean, that's one way to think of it. It is sort of a good way to get your feet wet and invest in a sort of bite-sized RPG. I'm just not sure a lot of people want to spend $40 to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we have for this week's Game Impressions. Why don't we move along to some news? And this week in the news, we have many exciting tales from the land of the rising sun. Tokyo Game Show Special Edition! Wow. Yeah, actually, there's not really that much news out of Tokyo Game Show. It did happen last week, but there was actually a surprisingly small amount of Nintendo news, at least that I picked up on. Yeah, especially with the Switch being such a behemoth over there right now. Yeah, I was kind of expecting more, but maybe some of the announcements were just in genres that were totally off my radar or something like that. Or maybe they're saving it for some random Nintendo Direct that'll come out in the middle of November. That could be, that could be. I mean, obviously I don't expect Nintendo themselves to do anything at TGS, because they never do. (laughs) But I was expecting more third-party news. And there certainly was some. You know, Square Enix finally unveiled Dragon Quest XI for Switch officially. It is called Dragon Quest XI-S over in Japan. And the S apparently stands not only for Switch, but also for special, meaning it's going to have some special content that wasn't in the Japanese PS4 release of Dragon Quest XI, but I think did make it into the version that recently came out here in North America. So the Switch version is going to have all that content. Obviously, still no word on whether that version is coming to North American Switches, but I'm still crossing my fingers that it will. Me too. Also, pertinent to my interests, the folks at Capcom announced that Ace Attorney Trilogy is coming out for Switch, as well as other systems. Uh, Yeah, this is awesome news, right? Well, I mean, to be honest, I find it to be about the least exciting Ace Attorney news they could make. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then I take it back. I mean, it's great to see that Ace Attorney is indeed coming to Switch, but my first thought was, really, they're doing this again I mean, I love this series, but even I am finding it hard to get excited about playing Ace Attorney 1, 2, and 3 yet again after doing it on DS, 3DS, and Wii. And in Japan, it you know, obviously came out on Game Boy Advance as well. So it's these same games we have already played numerous times on Nintendo systems. 
especially since this version does not have any way to yell objection to the microphone, which has always been one of my favorite aspects of these games. If you want, we'll call each other up over the uh, Nintendo app and uh, you can yell objection at me. That sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> so yeah, I just kind of feel like it's too bad that it isn't Ace Attorney 4 through 6 or maybe Dai Gyakuten Saibon 1 and 2 or better yet, you know, a brand new Ace Attorney game. But on the other hand, it's certainly better than nothing. So <laughs> as an Ace Attorney fan, there's a good chance I'll be picking it up regardless. Uh, it has also been confirmed for North America. It's coming out in early 2019. I'm looking forward to this one. I might pick it up. Well, if you haven't played it before, you know, it's certainly a great chance. So I'm certainly hopeful that it will find a new audience when it's coming over to Switch. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I've only played the first one in that collection, so. All right, well, this sounds like it just might be the perfect thing for you. Plus, it does have, you know, high-resolution HD graphics, which will make this game look much better than any of the previous versions. I mean, we had enhanced visuals on 3DS, but that's such a tiny screen. Having it, you know, vastly improved for the Switch screen should be quite a treat. Yeah, I can imagine. Another announcement out of TGS was more Sega Ages Switch stuff from Sega. We just talked about Sonic and Lightning Force, but it turns out that Virtua Racing is on the way. Ooh. Yes, the classic polygonal genre-defining racing game is back. Sega also revealed what the top requests were through a poll they held online, and those include Jet Set Radio, Shenmue, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Virtua Fighter, and the Shining series. That's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, I mean, those aren't confirmed as coming out or anything, but you have to believe that Sega is paying attention, and at least some of those are likely to make their way over to Switch. Yeah, and you, at least it looks like the online poll didn't get trolled. That seems like the right <laughs> style of games. Indeed. You know, numbers 10 through 13 are the ones that really caught my attention, though. Those are Burning Rangers, Skies of Arcadia, Knights, and Golden Axe, which I would love to see all come to Switch. So if that happened, it would certainly make me very happy. Yeah, uh, you and me both on Skies of Arcadia. <laughs> all right. I suppose I should mention that Sega has confirmed a few other titles that are coming out as part of the Sega Ages series, those being Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Space Harrier, Outrun, Columns 2, which I didn't even know existed, <laughs> Thunder Force AC, which I'm not at all familiar with. Is that Atlantic City? I'm guessing it stands for Arcade. Oh, okay. And of course, last but not least, Fantasy Star. Don't know when those are coming, but they are definitely all coming uh, sometime in the near future. Awesome. Another bit of news regarding a game out of Japan that actually has nothing to do with TGS is that Stein's Gate Elite now has a release date for North America. It is coming out on February 19th of next year. And it is also going to be getting a limited edition version of the game, which includes a 100-page storyboard collection, as well as a cloth poster and a custom outer box. It is available for pre-order now on Amazon. I think you can pick it up for $90. That's a pretty penny. Yeah, I'm not sure that paying an extra 30 bucks for that content is going to be worth it. I mean, I really like Steins Gate as a series and a property. Is 30 bucks worth it for a storyboard collection and a cloth poster? I don't know. We shall see. <laughs> I feel like they'll get you on that one, Chris. <laughs> There's a very good chance they will, but I'm going <laughs> to wait and see exactly what this cloth poster is. They haven't revealed everything yet, but uh, yeah, I might go for it. Sweet. And then, Chris, I don't know if you've heard about this, but this is actually kind of odd to be reporting Sony news in uh, this podcast. But Fortnite 
is now cross-play on every single platform. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So, you know, this basically now allows you to play it Fortnite on any other device that supports it. Right. And then you can kind of pick up and go with your Switch version. So if you want to go over to a friend's house and play it on the couch while they're playing their version on their television, uh, there you go. Yeah, that's definitely appreciated. I mean, I don't play very much Fortnite, so it's not going to have much impact for me. But obviously, it is a very, very popular game. It is nice to see that Sony is finally deciding to play nice with others and that PS4 players can still play it on Switch and you can play with uh, you know people on other hardware as well. So yeah, that's great news all the way around. Here, here. One last bit of news I want to touch on that is definitely not good news is the closure of Telltale Games. Boo. Yeah, obviously, they're the makers of The Walking Dead and many other titles. Uh, for me, it just kind of hit me sort of personally because during the WiiWare days, I went out to their headquarters several times. I got to check out games such as Strong Bad's Cool Game for <laughs> Attractive People. I forgot they did that. And the episodic Monkey Island series, uh, uh, yeah. as well as some other game that never actually came out on WiiWare, even though I wrote an article about in Nintendo Power. <laughs> Amazing. But regardless of that, you know, they were good people that worked there. The studio made some really great games during its time. And, you know, they were just sort of getting back into things, uh, you know, supporting Nintendo heavily again on Switch. And uh, now it seems they are defunct. So I just wanted to touch on that, pass along my regards, and uh, pour one out for the team. Yeah, pour some milk out. Exactly. All right, that takes care of the news for this week. I believe it is time for us to take an intermission. Uh, not so fast there, Chris. Oh? Why? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's time to hassle the hop. Oh, I should have guessed. Yeah, this question comes from Brian Booth via email. Okay. Video game professor Hoffman. Mm-hmm. If you had to wear a shirt every day for the rest of your life, featuring your likeness made in the style of an 8-bit sprite, which game style would you choose? And no fair picking your awesome Mega Man-inspired sprite from the MP days. Hmm. Okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to state, for the record, that I am the one who uh, you know, drew those sprites for Nintendo Power. Obviously, just <laughs> you know, stealing the style straight out of Mega Man, but uh, yeah, all those sprites that appeared of us in the magazine were my doing. We were forced to use those because there was a time period where Nintendo said we could not use our Miis anymore. <laughs> so instead of using Miis, I just went ahead and uh, aped those sprites from Capcom and used those for our likenesses instead. Can I just say that you weirdly have the same stance as Mega Man? Well, there's a very good reason for that, and that's because I did basically just steal it straight out of Mega Man. <laughs> um, but as for the question at hand here, boy, oh boy. Um, I mean, think about it. You could look like Bomberman. Well, you know, I think I will go with a game that we have talked about quite a bit recently, and that is a personal favorite of mine. I'm not really sure how this would look, but I am very curious and would definitely wear a shirt of me rendered as a character from Final Fight. <laughs> uh, is Final Fight 8-bit, though? Oh, he say 8-bit? Yeah. Hmm, you make a very good point. That doesn't count. <laughs> I guess I do need a better idea. Okay, I think I've got it. No? And, you know, I think I'd want to go with something where I could be somewhat recognizable. I mean, I could pick something like Castlevania or pro wrestling, but would it look like me? I'm not sure. Hmm. So, I'm going to go with uh, Punch-Out. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. 
like to see me rendered as an opponent, a villain in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. You know, they'd probably have to do something special to make the amount of muscles be more accurate, but I'm sure some could figure something out. But yeah, I would go with that. Don't think I'd enjoy taking a uh, star-powered uppercut in the face <laughs> from Little Mac, but nonetheless, I'm going with Punch-Out. Yeah, that's my pick. Nice. I would uh, wonder which character you'd like to start with as a baseline. Well, I'm just hoping that uh, King Hippo wouldn't be appropriate. Uh, you know, maybe Von Kaiser for his fabulous mustache. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. So does this meet your approval then? <laughs> uh, yeah, that satisfies the uh, request. All right, then. Thanks for sending that in, Brian. And with that taken care of, I believe it is time to take an intermission, and when we come back, we'll discuss this week's big topic, the games we want to see brought back from the GameCube generation. Alright, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which we are calling GameCube Generation. And by that, we mean we are talking about games from this sixth generation of systems, including the Nintendo GameCube, but also the PlayStation 2 and the original Xbox that we would like to see brought back on current hardware. And of course, by current hardware, we mean the Nintendo Switch. And the reason for that is that it just seems to be a popular trend with a lot of companies these days. Not only is Nintendo bringing back Luigi's Mansion in the form of Luigi's Mansion 3, not to mention the original Luigi's Mansion port on 3DS, but Square Enix is doing Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. We just got Okami from Capcom and we're getting Onimusha. Final Fantasy 12 is also on the way. Oddworld Stranger's Wrath is on the way. So we thought, what other games from this generation would we like to see revived on Switch? Yeah, they really do seem to be flooding in, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just that time. You know, enough time has passed where there's a lot of uh, nostalgia for these games. People haven't had a chance to play them in a while, and it's time to bring them back. So, sure, let's try to help out in some way. Obviously, we're not talking about games that were published by uh, Sony or Microsoft First Party here just to keep things in the realm of uh, realism. All right, let's get cracking. Okay, I guess I will kick things off then with my first choice. And one of the games I would like to see appear on Switch is Konami's Zone of the Enders. Ah. You know, this is a great action series that's really never had very much attention on Nintendo platforms. There was a Zone of the Enders game on Game Boy Advance, but that was a turn-based strategy game oh, yeah. instead of a real installment. And that's what I want to see is, you know, real-time, action-packed, 
mech battles, you know, you versus an army of crazy looking enemy mechs with all sorts of uh, flashy action and explosive attacks. And I was thinking maybe a couple of years ago, it would be a series that Konami would possibly revive on 3DS, but that never materialized. So I would love to see it happen on Switch. Yeah, I'm actually not that familiar with this game, but I know that it originally kind of got its popularity from a demo released alongside Metal Gear Solid 2, if I remember right. Almost. The original Zone of the Enders included a playable demo of Metal Gear Solid 2, which made people naturally pay attention, but honestly, it was quite a good game in its own right. And I've always kind of wanted to play it, so yeah, I would love for it to be on Switch. Yeah, I mean, I don't really expect Konami to make a brand new entry in the series for Switch, but I think a nicely polished port of Zone of the Enders 1 and or 2 would be excellent. So that would certainly make me happy if they did manage to bring this title back on the Switch. Well, in the meantime, you can probably play Damon X Machina until they announce a new Zone of <laughs> Enders game for Switch. Ah, yeah, that's right. It is sort of cut from the same cloth. Yeah, that will certainly be a good way to get my fill of mech battles if there is no Zoe. That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you got? What's one of your choices? Ah, well, from that era, I'd be remiss not to mention some of the Grand Theft Auto titles. Aha, uh-huh, of course. Yeah, I almost thought that was too obvious. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put that on my list, but please go ahead. Well, I'll mention it and get it out of the way. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, honestly, the original Grand Theft Auto games, you know, I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and then Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yes, of course. Being part of a collection would be a huge boon to the Switch library. Yeah, I mean, these games have really never been on Nintendo systems before, and it would be really, really cool to see them brought over, remastered, made pretty, and compiled all together for the Switch audience. Yeah, and I think, you know, who knows? It could be a little bit of testing the water for, you know, this system. And just being able to play those games on the go, just to see how popular that might be, might spark some interest in future titles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they can put all of these games, which I think they have, onto mobile phones, you know, why not put it on Switch as well? It just seems uh, you know kind of crazy to not be considering it. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, the Grand Theft Auto Collection, if I can pick three games in one. Sure, why not? (laughs) Now, my next choice comes from the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It is about as anti-GTA as you can get. (laughs) I am choosing Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I'm sure I brought that game up a handful of times before on the podcast, but it is a fantastic platformer from the folks at Sonic Team. It looks ridiculous, and it sounds ridiculous, and it has a ridiculous name, and it stars a kid in a chicken suit rolling around a giant egg, just like the title suggests. (laughs) But despite it being completely ludicrous, it had great puzzles, it had fun level design, and it just had some really, really enjoyable platforming that was all based around these giant eggs you would carry and roll around. You'd bounce on them, devices would launch them, and again... It's ridiculous. It looks like a baby game, but it's way, way cooler than it sounds. It, I don't think, did very well when it was on GameCube, but it totally deserves another chance. They should absolutely bring it back somehow. Again, this is one that would probably just benefit from an HD port, but it was really, really fun, and people should absolutely try it, so I would love to see this one make its way to Switch. I don't even know what to say about this. <laughs> so you agree, because it's really underappreciated, and it'll be tons of fun. Uh, I feel like it confirms all of my theories about you playing chicken-related games. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Can't argue with you there. Uh, you know, I never actually played this one. I definitely, I think I remember you reviewing this one. If I, if I, if uh, that wasn't me. Oh. It happened before my time at NP. Oh. But I wrote about it plenty at Play Magazine. Well, yes. For some reason, I tie this game in my head to you, so. <laughs> well, it is one of my GameCube favorites. Maybe it goes back to my chicken theory. <laughs> Perhaps so. Well, you just went wildly obscure, so I feel like i got to go back mainstream. Okay. And this is another collection, but I'd like to see the Metal Gear Solid series. Oh, okay. Or at least one, two, and three. One meaning Twin Snakes, two being Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, and three being Snake Eater. Yeah, okay. Well, those are all certainly excellent games that I would not mind playing again. Yeah, I feel like they would just be a great addition to the Switch library. You know, Snake Eater even came out for Nintendo 3DS, and it was yes, it did. and it was great in that format. Mm-hmm, yep, I love that one. And I could imagine just being able to play it on the handheld mode in Switch, you know, playing some sweet Metal Gear Solid action on an airplane, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I love the Metal Gear series. I think that would be fantastic. And you know, I remember when Twin Snakes first came out, I was kind of really asking myself, why are they only doing... Metal Gear Solid 1, why are they not also doing Metal Gear Solid 2 at this time? So to have Sons of Liberty finally come out all these years later would sort of be a long-time wish finally fulfilled. Also, for the record, I'm actually wearing, completely by coincidence, a Metal Gear Solid 3 t-shirt today. (laughs) That's because you eat snakes. This is true. (laughs) But yeah, this is a great choice. I love those games. It would be fantastic to see them come back on Switch. Here, here. Well... If you're going to go mainstream with Metal Gear titles, I'm going to go mainstream as well. I am going to make my next choice be a Legend of Zelda title. Oh. But this time, Four Swords Adventures. Whoa, all right. And you know, much like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, this was a great multiplayer game on GameCube that was kind of held back by the heavy hardware requirements. You know, I tried playing this recently with some friends, and man, it was a real pain to get all those Game Boy Advances and link cables all hooked up and working, and <laughs> yeah. then you do it, and you discover you didn't have batteries in there that were charged up, and then I discover, oh, somehow my GameCube link port has stopped working, so <laughs> it was really quite a hassle, <laughs> and it was also really gnarly seeing how blurry the graphics looked on modern TVs, so I would love to see this game make a comeback without all those extra hardware requirements, because it was a really, really fun game with 24 unique stages, lots of puzzles, plenty of items, lots of sword play, and it really fulfilled that promise of multiplayer Zelda. It did it really, really well, and it was way, way better than recent efforts like Triforce Heroes. I mean, Four Swords Adventures just grinds Triforce Heroes underneath its Pegasus shoes. It's unbelievable how much better it is. <laughs> yeah, totally. But my opinion is way more people deserve to play this game. And you know, if they did bring it back on Switch, maybe they would even include the option to play the Navi's Trackers mode that was cut out of the North American release of this game, but was in the Japanese version. So oh. you know, maybe even give it some more content like that. But uh, yeah, in general, I would be pretty happy with just being able to play this game in its initial form on Switch hardware. That would be great. Yeah, the Switch lends itself so well to online and local co-op that I feel like this would be perfect for that. You know, of course, Nintendo really liked people all being in the same room. But as you mentioned, you know, it's just a hard setup to have. (laughs) Yes, it is. And yeah, I could really see, you know, wanting to pick this up if it became available, especially at like a budget price. 
Yeah, I mean, in my head, I was thinking about this just playing it locally in the same room with my friends. But yeah, having online in there would certainly be the icing on the cake. That would be fantastic and would <laughs> certainly save me even more hassle. So yeah, that'd be great. I love that idea. Nobody likes to hassle the half. Oh, I think a lot of people do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right, what's next for you? Well, Chris, I think this one is a little bit near and dear to some people's hearts more than others. But for my money, I'd love to see Nintendo release a port of Eternal Darkness onto Switch. Oh, yes, yes, that is a good one. And it's certainly one that we have heard from more than a few people that they are eagerly awaiting that series to make its return. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, I know this game didn't get a ton of buzz, but it's had a lot, a big cult following in the last, I don't know, since it's the release, really. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it wasn't the biggest hit, but certainly it does have a following. Now, of course, this was created by Silicone Knights, but from my understanding, Nintendo owns the IP. Yep. And yeah, it seems like a franchise that would be ripe for the picking, should Nintendo choose to do so. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't know if a sequel would be better or a port of the old game, but yeah, I think that is a great choice and one that didn't cross my mind. But yeah, that is an excellent, excellent pick. Now, did you play the original? If I did, I didn't play much. It's kind of a psychological thriller. It's not a Resident Evil. You don't, you know, kill a lot of zombies. Yeah, I've certainly heard a lot about it. I think the big selling point for the game back in the day was these, um, essentially you'd get these hallucinations as the game would go on. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about that for sure. You'd start walking along and all of a sudden your head would fall off or like the screen would look like it reset and your, your system powered off. <laughs> Yeah, it would like give you a memory card error or something like that. Yeah, yeah I definitely a think... A fake it, memory card error. Yeah, I don't know what they would do now. Maybe like a battery issue or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of mean now that you think about your, your it. Your micro SD card is corrupt or something like that. But yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people need to experience that game that never got to play it before. Yeah, I totally agree. And speaking of experiencing games that they have never played before, here is one that is on my list because I have not played it before and I've always wanted to. In fact, we mentioned this before, talking about Sega Ages. That is Skies of Arcadia. Ah, yeah, I was hoping you'd mention that one. Yeah, I mean, I love myself a good RPG. I've heard amazing things about it, but I have never actually had the chance to try it. So I am begging you, Sega, bring that one back. I would love to play it on Switch. <laughs> here, here. It's a great game. I remember playing that and being pretty blown away. Uh, it's one of my favorite early 3D RPGs. And it was from a lot of the same creators as Fantasy Star, so great pedigree behind the dev team, for sure. Cool. Another game from the GameCube era that I would love to see ported to Switch, or actually, you know what? I'd like to see a sequel. Oh, yeah? That is Beautiful Joe. Ah, well, funny, because that was actually the next one on my list as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, what makes Beautiful Joe stand out in your mind, Chris? Well, just the whole uh, you know superhero aesthetic thing that was going on, and then of course incorporating the uh, video powers, as it were, <laughs> into the gameplay. So you would zoom in, you would fast forward, you would slow mo, and so it combined these really creative techniques with the uh, the superhero aspect and just the fun and goofy nature of the character and the franchise as a whole. And it basically turned into, you know, a mini phenomenon on GameCube. And I feel like it's really strange that the game has basically been relegated to the back burner ever since then. So, yeah, I am totally more than ready for more Beautiful Joe. And like you said, personally, I would love to see it be Beautiful Joe 3 rather than just a port of an old game. Henson a go-go, baby! <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, if they did make a new one, I would love to see them add a rewind function to his abilities, like, not necessarily to rewind time and, like, undo what you've done, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like, for puzzles in combat, where it wouldn't affect you, but it would affect, like, things on the screen, like, you could make bullets, like, go back towards the enemies and, like, blow them up that way. Yeah, totally. Or... You know, you could suddenly make uh, logs go up a waterfall instead of down, so you could jump on that and use that to proceed through the level or something along those lines. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things you can do with Beautiful Joe because it is just so crazy and wild and, you know, kind of unlimited in its potential. So, yeah, I think this would be a prime choice for coming back on Switch. Sweet. Can you make that happen somehow? (laughs) Don't I wish. Uh, Yeah, Capcom's HQ is only maybe 15 miles away from here. But uh, yeah, so far, uh, I think I'm banned from entry. (laughs) All right, what's on your list? Well, I mean, having gone past Beautiful Joe, I guess the next major one on my list would be Kingdom Hearts. Ah, I was also hoping you'd say that. And again, this is another one that just seems so completely obvious, and I know we bring it up on the podcast from time to time, but Kingdom Hearts just feels like a series that belongs on Nintendo hardware so much more than it does other systems. And, you know, obviously over the years we've gotten things like Chain of Memories and 358 Over Two Days and Recoded and Dream Drop Distance, but we haven't ever gotten a mainline Kingdom Hearts game on Nintendo hardware. And it's been like 15 years since that first one has come out, and I think it is high time that that's changed. So I feel like if Square Enix can bring nine Final Fantasy games over to Switch, (laughs) it can at least give us HD ports of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 and give us all of that Disney meets Squaresoft action RPG goodness. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously they know the audience is there. Obviously they have had some sort of success. But uh, yeah, I would just think it is well overdue to have you know, those mainline games show up here. I mean, I'd love to see three. Obviously, that is a much newer game. But uh, for purposes of this topic, let's just get some nice ports of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I would totally play them again on Switch. I wouldn't even mind a spinoff Kingdom Hearts with Nintendo characters involved. Yeah, yeah. I've talked about that before, too. But uh, (laughs) we'll save that for another time. (laughs) Mm, Totally. Okay, well, anything else for your list? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to mention this one because I feel like I read about this one all the time, but I would love me some Resident Evil 4 playable on Switch. Oh, yes, yes. Obviously, that is a classic, a modern classic, you might even say. Yep, Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely one of the best games to come out on GameCube. As far as filling that niche of like just having a big-name title with guns and over-the-shoulder shooting, I guess at that point that was kind of a new concept. But yeah, this just feels like it would be a home for the definitive version of this game. You know, it could have the motion controls from the Wii version. True. And, you know, and, and just be cleaned up and presented nicely on the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. And given that it is Capcom and they do love porting over their old games, I would say this one actually has a fairly decent chance of happening. Yeah, and I just feel like it definitely was one of the staples of that gen. Yeah, very, very true. Absolutely true. Well, I don't have too many more left on my list, but one more that I will give a shout out to is Psychonauts, which was a crazy platformer by Tim Schafer. And I think they are finally coming out with a sequel to that one, but that was such a great game originally. I think that would be uh, excellent as just a straight-up port to come over to Switch. Yeah, that's one I haven't played, and I would love the opportunity to play it again. Yeah, I think a lot of people would, and I think a lot of people would discover how much they love the game if it was on a Nintendo system for the first time. 
All right. Well, I've got one more, and I think it's kind of unexpected. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This one comes from Valve, and it was originally for PC. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and uh, it's Half-Life 2. Okay, well, you're right. That is an unexpected choice, but uh, yeah, that would certainly be welcome on the Switch. Yeah, you know, Lord knows when they'll release Half-Life 3. <laughs> yes, but, as uh, the joke goes. Yeah, I feel like this game would usher in maybe a relationship between Nintendo and Valve that I don't believe has ever really existed. And, you know, Half-Life 2 is one of those games where I think if it was polished up and ported over and was a really solid port, I think it would totally be worth playing again on Switch. Yeah, I mean, that one was super popular for a really, really long time. And there is a genuine reason why people keep asking for, you know, when Half-Life 3 is really going to come. Because those first earlier entries in the series were, you know, crazy popular and really, really well made. And that isn't one I would have thought of on my own, but certainly that would be a great game to uh, bring over to Nintendo Systems. It's probably long overdue. Yeah, and I actually just read that on Steam, they've had 500,000 people log a Pro Controller. So that means that that many people are using their Switch Pro Controller to play games on their PC. Huh, well, I didn't even know that that was a possible thing to do. Very interesting. Yeah, anything that's Bluetooth, I guess, you can connect to Steam, so. All right, well, yeah, that certainly uh, should prove to them that there is uh, cross-platform interest between uh, Steam users and Switch owners. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like Valve is more concerned with software distribution than is releasing games these days. But, yeah, that was an excellent suggestion and uh, would be really cool if it were to somehow happen. That's for sure. Sweet. You have any more? Nope, can't say that I do. I mean... You know, I did sort of have Super Mario Sunshine jotted down in my notes as being a game that would be way too obvious to mention. Obviously, an HD port of that would be welcome at any time, but it's not like we don't already have plenty of other fantastic Mario games on the system. While Mario Sunshine is definitely not the first Mario game that I'd want ported to Switch, I definitely wouldn't say no. Fair enough. And with that, I think we have run this week's big topic into the ground, <laughs> and that means it's time for us to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But before we go, I believe we do have time for one more thing, and unsurprisingly, that is a dramatic reading. Shocker. This week, from the pages of Nintendo Power Volume 6, is a preview of the NES game Kung Fu Heroes. More than a million adventurers in Japan have already undertaken this two-player simultaneous play martial arts mission. <laughs> high atop a remote mountainside sat a grand high lama suspended for countless years in deep meditation. <laughs> Jackie and Lee, best friends who were raised in seclusion like brothers, learned the ancient secrets and skills of Kung Fu from the lama, including the deadly miracle kick. Now, Princess Min Min has been captured by a band of sinister kung fu experts and monsters and imprisoned in a bizarre and mysterious fortress. Jackie and Lee must overcome the relentless enemies in the 30 unique rooms in order to rescue the princess. The more adventurous may wish to guide Jackie on this perilous journey solo. Along the way, there are treasures, weapons, and powers to be discovered, and secret passages and warp zones to be uncovered. Be especially wary of Dragon, Unigon, and our personal favorites, the Bison Commandos.
Bison Commando? Yep, that's what it says. The Bison Commandos. Uh, wow, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> probably no relation to M. Bison, and considering what I know about this game, they probably are actual bison, but <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. You sure they're not related to M. Bison? I just said they weren't. <laughs> God dang <laughs> Uh, I'm still obsessed with their names being Jackie and Lee. Hmm. Well, I think I might have a hunch as to where those names came from. Oh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a hunch, but possibly Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. Just a guess. Yeah, who knows? Did you ever play this one? I didn't. I was looking at screenshots of it. It's um, it's hard to miss. <laughs> it's. I think it's a very unattractive looking game. Yeah. I did play this one. A little bit and i did not like it uh, i thought it looked terrible and i thought it played just as poorly <laughs> this one was uh by culture brain yes the fine folks at culture brain if culture brain and sammy had a fight who do you think would win well i mean culture brain is just a brain so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and what's this what's this min min isn't that a character from arms Yes, yes, I suppose it is. Now the truth has been revealed. Long before she was a fighter in arms, she was captured by Bison Commandos in a terrible NES game. <laughs> At long last, the truth has come out. Hopefully I'll get to play as the Bison Commandos in arms someday. Well, let's cross our fingers for that. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week's episode. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at PowerProsPod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff, and you can find Pete at BurlyRedYeti. You can email us at PowerProsPod at gmail.com, and if you like the podcast, of course, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad, Hiker Uppercut, and our good friend, Bayou Billy, we will see you next time.